Torah isn't education, it's transformation. This is Chai Chinuch with Rabbi G. 101.9 Chai FM, Chai Chinuch with Rabbi G. We are back as we do every Monday between 2 to 3 where we discuss education, Chinuch, how to make the world a better place, but starting with how to make us better people, how to influence our families, our friends, our communities, and just invest in a better world and better place. And do what we can for our families today specifically, which is what we're going to be focusing on, because we are now all in the mode of going back to school. And some of us starting Wednesday, I think a lot of us are starting on Wednesday. Some had orientation days already, some are having tomorrow. Different schools, different communities. Bottom line, we're all starting to go back towards life. And as this discussion, discussion of going back to life, I'm here in studio with um, Lisa Klutz, who is the senior social worker at King David High School in Linksfield, which we're going to be discussing a lot about what we need to do to prepare our children, although part of the holidays or the massive part of it is behind us. However, there's still the next few days to prepare our kids, and there's the mo- beginning of monitoring, the beginning of the year, and our kids. Some kids, this is the first time they're going up to high school. Some kids are going first time to primary school. Some kids are maybe looking forward to a better year, as last year they had a rough year. Some kids are staying behind. Some kids are going forward. Everybody has their own journey in their own world, what they're excited about school, what they're worried about school, what they're there to focus. And obviously, as parents, we are there with our kids experiencing it and want to find the exact balance to get excited and be there, not too much, and just be there for our kids to make sure they have a very good journey. Before we start, I'll just remind you, any questions, any comments, anything you want to ask Lisa about her work, about her thoughts as a social worker in the high school, or anything you want to ask me, or comment, or add, or say, 34519 is SMS line, or send us a telegram, 061-895-1019, telegram 061-895-1019, or SMS 34519, any comments, any questions. As well as now that we're back into the school year, pretty much, although we were here the whole holidays, which thanks to Craig held through properly through holidays and through break. If there's, a, if you want to know ahead of time who's going to be in this show, send us an SMS, 34519, or, or Telegram, 061-895-1019, and you will get a link to the WhatsApp group that will tell you which professional to expect to make sure you can tune in and be with us on the live show. Good afternoon, Lisa. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Rabbi, for having me here today. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, so you are the social worker, senior social worker at King David High School in Linksfield. Correct. Tell us about that job. Um, I'm so privileged to be at the school. I've been there for the past 16 years, which is really hard to believe because I feel like I'm only 21. But um, you have kids coming to you that weren't born when you started. Correct. Okay. Quite <laughs> which a, makes quite me a journey. Old. It is quite a journey. Um, it is such a privilege. It is such a healthy way of working in a therapeutic environment. It is an amazing place to be, to be amongst all that positivity, all that potential, and to be able to see children grow and to have a part in that is really an honor. Okay, amazing. So starting the school year today, you had an orientation day? There's orientation for the grade eights who are oh, coming uh-huh. um, on Wednesday. And what are we to expect from a, a grade a boy or a girl coming into high school for the first time. What are you seeing today? Excitement, nervous, worried, happy? 
the parents, the kids, where do we start? I think we have to look at everyone because the parents and the kids are very connected to each other. Um, there's a lot of excitement. Of course, it comes with a lot of anxiety. Um, the unfamiliar is hard. And I think it's about trying to, to be on track as much as they can before school starts. Um, being organized, having their stuff together, having their stationery, having their books, having their uniforms. It's all part of the process of feeling ready to start high school. So that is always helpful to have that in the bag, so to speak. So on a technical level, the first thing you're telling parents is make sure to be prepared. Absolutely. Their stationery, their work, their books, anything. Just be organized for the first day. Exactly. Okay. Many times, you know, you said that the parents came in and they're very connected. Let's talk a bit about, and I know we're diving directly into the conversation, you know, you've been there for quite some time, 16 years, and you've probably seen uh, different stages of parents. And, you know, uh, there's been many changes in the educational field in the past 15, 16 years. Are you feel parents, do you feel parents are more anxious today? I think we can't have this discussion without talking about the post-COVID children. That's Remind who me. we are. Tell That's me what's who we have. Again. Okay. <laughs> that distant memory, but it's it's definitely played a part. Um, there's a lot of anxiety. There are children who are delayed in many ways. The two years online wasn't necessarily kind to them educationally or emotionally. There was that isolation, which some of them are still trying to recover from. And that heightened anxiety in terms of having undergone something that was very, very difficult for a lot of families. So the spike of anxiety is huge, as you said, the, the isolation, the social. And there's also an element of, um, you know, anxiety rising when we don't move physically enough and not going out for COVID and not going out and, and just being home. Uh, obviously, there was a huge increase. What are we doing to help the kids? Um, I think acknowledging it is very important. I think there was so much therapy and intervention around going into lockdown how to cope at home, what to do, how it's going to look, how it's going to be. There was very little in terms of coming out of lockdown. Very good point. Okay. (laughs) I think that we needed to manage it very, very carefully. We've tried hard at the school to establish psychosocial groups. We've offered that support. The children take the support, which is amazing to see. But it wasn't mediated as much as it was mediated going into lockdown. So we are dealing with anxiety. I think the children particularly last year felt that they were thrown into everything. It all kind of started again with a bang, and maybe a lot of them weren't yet prepared. To a point that you think you'll still see the effect this year in grade 9? Definitely. Um, The things that they missed out on, the developmental milestones, they were missed. That is the truth. Much as we all have approached being back in the swing of things with such joy, There has been a lot that has been lost. So any parents listening to us now, what would you recommend that they look at for their own child? How do I identify? We don't want to impose anxiety when there isn't. At the same time, we want them to be aware. And we also want to have tools. What can we do as parents? What can we do in our homes or make sure our kids get in order to kind of cover this gap? So I think a good way of looking at it is in terms of your child's functioning. I think often it's nice to know that if they seem okay, they're okay. I think generally you'll know when there's a problem. Um, I think parents need to give themselves that credit that they they know they'll be able to see. Um, Always opening the channels of communication. 
in a non-judgmental way. Maybe today was a hard day. Tomorrow will be better. What could you do differently? What could I do differently? Really being able to have that conversation. What is normal hard? And I'll explain what I mean. You know, many times kids will have a hard day in school or will have a hard journey or won't love school, which it's in normal. a way it's normal. It's okay. And many times we as parents can panic about it. Where do we keep that balance when our child comes and says, okay, I'm having the worst time ever. I'm being bullied. I'm, being, I'm suffering. It's hard. It's difficult. I can't do it. My teacher hates me. Uh, the, uh, there's no one to talk to. Where do we balance the, it's okay. You'll be fine. You'll manage work. It is what it is. That's school. And where do we come and we say, okay, I'm here to talk to you or even to intervene or speak to the school or help. So that's exactly what I was going to say. As much as it's important to have the conversation with your child and open those channels of communication, it's also important that the teacher knows where your child is holding, honest feedback about what's going on in the classroom for them, what's going on socially for them, how they're coping with the work, and getting the feedback from the teacher in terms of their functioning during the school day. The parents aren't there. They're relying on their child's testimony, and sometimes it's a little bit embellished for their parents' benefit. Not as objective as we would want it. Yes. Okay. So we do need to take another ad break, but when we come back, I want to discuss that balance of being involved, not overwhelming the teacher and drowning the teacher with information. At the same time, we want to make sure the teacher has an accurate understanding and picture and and communication. So that balance we need to look at. A reminder, any questions you have to the listeners, anything you want to ask Lisa, comment it's a question, uh, an idea, anything that or your thoughts about post-COVID or going to high school or whatever it is, please, 34519 is SMS line or 061-895-1019, as well as if you want to get a link to the WhatsApp group that will tell you ahead of time who's on this show so you can make sure you have the time to focus and listen as we have very professional people here, as you can hear today. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. We are back in a fascinating discussion with senior social worker at King David Linksville High School, uh, Lisa Klutz, who is the social worker there. And we are discussing, right before the break, we actually uh, asked Lisa about the balance that parents can keep between overwhelming a teacher with all the information about their child or inquiring information. And at the same time, we don't want to not share that information or not have a flowing um, channel of information of what's important, what's not important. How do we keep that balance? I think having it as an open loop is very important. I think the children knowing that you've spoken to the teacher with their permission, the parents um, being able to have that communication, the teachers being able to have that communication, and then being able to ask your children the right kind of questions I think is important. Um, You know, I think that there's such a... A, a need to, for your child gets in the car how was your day what happened what was good what was bad and overwhelming them just with your questions and then the child says good 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 everything was you. good what was news nothing how was your day exactly. fine so I think a nice skill is firstly using an open ended question not a yes or no answer and another very important skill is called scaling where you ask your children to rate their day or to rate an event in the day how was the test on a scale of 1 to 10 how did you find break today on a scale of 1 to 10? So now we're going into the uh, 
tools that parents have to encourage their children to share with them information. Correct. Not necessarily the school, yeah. um, which, okay, we, we'll get back to that uh, as an important. So, yeah, so as a parent, as you said, you don't just bombard them as soon as you get in the car. And sometimes they're even in a list scheme with five different kids or whatever, yeah. and it's uncomfortable. So open-ended questions, scaling, how would that scaling system work? So I think they like to be able to to pinpoint where they are on a chart. Children have always learned about charts and that kind of thing. Um, Even in high school? I think so because they, they're able to, to kind of plot their day according to that. Maybe yesterday was a six, but today was an eight. Um, and to be able to do that comparison is nice for them Okay. to see where they're holding. Okay, so that's amazing. What else do we have to give? So I think that I would have to mention Brené Brown. Um, My work at the school is largely inspired by her. Um, She's unbelievable. For anyone who hasn't seen her TED Talks or read her books, I really would encourage you to. And she talks so much about going with courage, um, about being vulnerable. So you're very realistic about what your strengths are, about what's good, what's not good. She also talks about toxic positivity, about how just being completely happy and elated and joyous all the time is not realistic, that when hard things happen, it's very important to be able to acknowledge that and that your feelings are real and that you are vulnerable, but to go with courage. And that applies to everyone. It's sending your children off to school every day. It requires a parent to have so much courage. Walking into the school every day for a child requires courage. The teachers need to approach their day with such courage. They often don't know what's going to appear in their classroom on a given day. And so to, to face reality. To face reality. When she speaks about toxic positivity, it's just so important because it's not realistic to just be positive all the time. At the same time as parents, so many times we panic if our child comes home one day not happy. So... When would when would we would we say no? We this is alerting already. It's too long and too much that he's not happy or she's not happy. And when we say it's okay, we we're not always positive and we do have rough days. Yeah. So I think it's looking at it on a case by case basis, being able to to relate to your child in a way that uh, is their functioning optimal. If they are very sad, if they are not eating, if they are not sleeping, if they are in their room all the time, those are going to be our indicators that things are not good, that we're needing to to do some kind of intervention and look at what is happening for them. Okay. So let's talk a bit about the social environment in school. Social environment is definitely one of the foundations for development of children of and yet young adults. Um, everybody needs friends, including adults and seniors, and consistently – when we live in a world of social media, connecting through screens, what has happened or what is happening currently in the high schools regarding the traditional fun time and social connections and relationships? Is it developing enough? Is it something that we need to you know, help our kids get to? Uh, I know a lot of a lot's happening behind the scenes with overs and nights and things, but what can we do or do we need to get involved in there? I really do encourage parents to check their children's phones. I think they don't know what exactly their children are doing, what they're seeing, what they're watching. Um, sorry to talk about COVID again, but that was really one of the very detrimental elements that children spend so much time online and were exposed to so many things that they really were not developmentally ready to, to address. 
So I think being able to know where your child is holding and being able to see their social media content is a useful tool. Okay. So we're looking at two sides. There's always the what are the wrong behaviors that we need to monitor, and but what are the good behaviors we can encourage? So obviously monitoring social media and what they're watching, what they're doing, how long they're spending, you know, that they're looking after their physical needs, uh, that kids are not just sitting for five hours with the games and not eating and not moving in those sports. So that's the, the making sure there's nothing wrong happening. But what's happening with encouraging positive relationships? How can we as parents create that opportunity or what is school what can school do to create opportunity of normal healthy social interventions that are not through a screen um so i think just to talk about the healthy elements that are on a screen i think that when the classes for example formulate a whatsapp chat and they discuss the homework that's happening for the day reminding each other that tomorrow we need our blazers for assembly or we need to wear a bow in our hair for whatever reason you know, I think that's got such a positive element. The fact that it then can be used, they use their powers for negative when... We always need a balance. We always need a balance is that unfortunately cyberbullying does then occur on the, on the WhatsApp groups, on social media and being able to know, um, who your friends are, speaking to the right people, being able to get support in the right way and Going where the love is, I think that that is the most important thing. Um, you know, they look at different social groups, social streams, A list, B list, so to speak, which I absolutely hate, but that is how they classify their social scenario. And they need to be able to stay where the love is, go where the love is, be able to see who loves you for who you are, who wants to be your friend for who you are. And having that as their overarching philosophy for making social connections. How do we identify then, um, if we are staying with the screens, any cyberbullying or any bullying that comes within these WhatsApp groups or within classes? We know that uh, if we look at the different types of bullying, specifically for girls, a lot of times what they've told me is they feel the bullying is in a form of isolation. You're not part of our WhatsApp group. You're not gonna, we're not going to tell you what to dress. We're not there. How do we make sure our kids are safe within the school environment online? So exclusion is unfortunately one of the major elements of how social media can be used for negative when a WhatsApp group is made without someone who would imagine that that is their group of friends. Right. It's very hurtful and very hard, especially that then the physical social arrangements happen on the group, that they'll invite each other to an overs or to a movie or whatever it is. It happens on that group. So if you're not on the group, you're not seeing the invitation. Um, when there are negative comments made – it's very important that they take a screenshot and are able to share that with a trusted adult. WhatsApp has the feature now that you can write something and delete it. But if they see something that makes them uncomfortable, that makes them sad, that they're able to have that evidence of it to be able to deal with it. Do you speak to the kids about it as a school? Absolutely. It's something we cover quite a lot. We have external um, social media experts coming in a lot to discuss that. Okay. Um, but, you know, sometimes you feel like you, you're you not winning in that arena. You would wish to win more. You would wish you to are win winning. more. Okay. <laughs> so so th- there's definitely an area of, of that, you know, need to be on top of things. What happens when your child says no? 
I don't want you to monitor my phone. I don't want you to speak to the social worker in the school. I don't want you to speak to my teacher. You're not allowed into my world. How do we respect them and keep that balance? I think that is so hard because, especially with a minor child, it is often on the adult to be able to make a call knowing that it might not win them any friends, so to speak, that they, their child might be really, really angry with them. But if there's something that needs to be addressed, it has to be addressed, not only for the child being bullied, um, the child who is exhibiting bullying behavior could also be going through something that needs to be addressed and to just leave it. And many times, I mean, kids by nature and people by nature are very good people that that many times when they are behaving inappropriately, it's because of something that's disturbing them and bothering them. Absolutely. Okay. So you say you need to find the way as hard as it is to intervene and you just can't let it go. I would say so. I know that it's hard, but, you know, and it maybe sounds cliche to say they'll thank you in the end, but you need to. Step up. You can't just leave it. Hard as it is, it has to be done. Okay, let's talk a little bit about diversity of kids and integrating in school. Some kids are very academic, which is beautiful and great, and very sociable, and things are working unbelievably well for them. Some kids are challenged academically, are challenged socially, struggle with communication, with theory of mind, with body language. Where is their room within the school environment and how can we start supporting them or support them not start i think being able to identify diversity is so important we have committees at the school that speak about awareness and not just um acceptance but really celebrating those that are different and being able to slot in and when I speak about going where the love is if academics is not your strength maybe you'll shine on the sports field or on the stage or helping with sound and lighting or um, organizing the library at school there's so many different areas that children can shine but it's about being able to know who you are and that self-awareness which is hard because I'm sure everyone wants to be the straight A star rugby player but not everyone is going to be that person but being able to see what, where your strengths are and what you can do to play to your strengths is so important. And are we able to show the kids how to see the beauty in their pairs that are not the straight A students and that are not the best at communication and, and social skills? Or, <clears throat> or is it more the work of the adults and the teachers? Or we can actually give these tools to the kids? I think both. Um, with with tools being given by the adults in their lives, they are able to see that. But I think children do enjoy the quirky children. They, you know, when someone's not threatening to them, it's also, it, it's it's such a nice social element that happens that maybe they like to be friendly with the person who's not the star because it, it makes them feel like they are okay as well, which is so nice. I've had in the past uh, young teenagers tell me that they've seen a child in school, a girl that nobody wants to speak to or a boy that's struggling or whatever it is. And they actually felt compassion and wanted to be involved with them, but they felt that they're going to be judged by the social group in the school and they were too scared. Is that something that you come across and what can we do to actually support these kids to do the right thing? I would say that's definitely um, something that happens They, I think it is about going where the love is. I think it's also about being 
able to have that courage that Brene Brown talks about, that if you are going to go where the love is, there might be social ramifications, but you might also be much happier for it. But love will win. Love will win in the end. Okay. So, and, and signs for parents to identify that or discussions and family opportunities about it, how would you run that? I think it's about role modeling always. I think if children see their parents behaving in a certain way, then that's what they're going to do. If the parents are social engineering, their children are not often going to fight against that. They want to please their parents. And if their parents are wanting them in a certain crowd and are pushing for them to be in that crowd, the children are often just going to go with it. So by creating an example and modeling for the kids, we will see that behavior arising and and working well. What are the challenges you're seeing today? And I, we could start with the easy of post-COVID compared to what you saw five years ago in high schools. Then we're going to get harder and see 10, 15 years ago. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> By the time I'm at the school for 26 years. Um, I think that the the heightened anxiety is something that we, we have to acknowledge. There has been trauma. Children lived through a very difficult time and I think that the the fact that they are able to identify that they're feeling anxious, they're feeling sad, I think they're much more able to be in touch with their feelings, but they don't necessarily know what to do with it. So when they're feeling sad and then they're self-medicating by smoking dacha, um, we're going to be very worried. When they're feeling sad and they're coming to my office for counseling, we would celebrate that. Okay. So, so it's basically something that it's, it's almost, you're describing that as a given that kids today are really pumped with anxiety. I would say so. It comes out in many different ways, but anxiety is definitely the buzzword at the moment. That means that we need to look at it as a, on a community level or. Definitely. The whole world not, is anxious. Okay. That's, that's the limits <laughs> I have for now, but not on an individual level as much. Yeah, I think it's about normalizing the difficulties that people have, that they don't need to feel that they're alone. Okay. So taking back to the beginning of your career, before teenagers were popular based on the likes they got, what was different? If I have to think of it in terms of being without social media, I think that it was more in terms of what they were doing at school, more of who they were presenting in terms of who they really are as opposed to their social media persona. The ones that are getting so many likes are often ones who have used the filters, placed themselves in different um, backgrounds, doing TikToks, doing Zoomerangs, doing all these things that are not really necessarily indicative of who they are as a human. So then they'll live in constant fear of one day... Being exposed. Exactly. Is that something you discuss in school? Definitely. And mm. I think that when they are kind of trying to live to this influencer persona, it takes a lot of headspace. It's exhausting for them. And then, of course, they're going to feel anxious. Okay. So we do need to take another ad break. When we come back, I do want to hear your thoughts about, you know, kids that are posting with filters and almost like, I don't want to say false life, but almost false life. Is there a room for an educator, a parent, somebody to say, you just cannot do that full stop, or that's the world we live in and we have to adapt to that. Keep the thought. 101.9 FM, FM, 101.9 megahertz of life.
We are back in the middle of a fascinating discussion. I'm here with senior social worker at King David High School at Linksfield with Lisa Lutz, who is the social worker there for 16 years. As we said, and we're talking about, about the differences. Before we continue, if you'd like to comment or ask or share, 34519 is the SMS line or Telegram 061-895-1019, as well as if you want to be notified ahead of time, be part of a WhatsApp group that will let you know who is going to be on the show, send us a message, 34519, and the SMS line, or Telegram, 061-895-1019. So right, the, right before the break, I asked Lisa, when we have kids that are living a life that's distanced from reality and social media presenting to who they're not, and they are thriving off um, likes and content that's not really them. Where's the general rule of a parent or an educator intervening and saying, you know what, stop, you can't do this? And when is the time to say, you know, this is the world, this is the reality, this is what we need to live with? What would be your recommendation? I think that it's important to know that everyone wears a mask. You're not always going to present exactly who you are all the time. You're going to have your persona at school, which might be a different persona to when you're at dancing or when you're at soccer or when you're at your rabbi's house for Shabbos. Um, there are going to be different elements of your personality that are going to come out in different situations. I think online, when your online persona is very disconnected from reality, that is an issue when you are being something that is totally disconnected from who you are to me would be worrying so if you're showing your nice side that's okay but if you're presenting as a different person almost a different character that's way, way too much I think so because I think having to maintain that different character would be so anxiety provoking Okay, and so what you're saying is that parents should have access to see their the, the child's to be befriended and make sure they can follow and see what's happening on social media? Absolutely. I mean, we've had situations where parents have been completely blindsided, being sent screenshots of their children's behavior on Instagram or wherever it is and being horrified by what they're seeing. When it's inappropriate, it's very, very concerning. When it's kind of a fantasy, it's okay. You know, maybe you've posted a picture of yourself on top of the Eiffel Tower, but you weren't really there. You know, maybe it's your wish, it's your dream, it's your aspiration. But when it's pornographical, then the red flags are there. Then you need to put a stop to it. Uh, we're starting to run out of time on this show. I want to ask you from a sensory side of things. We do know that um, to keep our healthy balance, we have to have a certain amount of exercise daily and a certain amount of walking, uh, getting out there, especially for kids and young adults which the South African reality right now is not that way. Most of us live in houses. I mean, last, I don't know when the last time we climbed a floor store, uh, four stories in a building or uh, in, took a walk somewhere. We go by car. We don't have a lot of steps. We don't have a lot of movement. What are the sensory implications of overwhelming and you know the physical side of things that we're seeing in schools and what can we do to prevent them? And what you're saying is 100% right, and children need to be able to grab all of the opportunities that they have at school. I'm going to quote our principal, the esteemed Lorraine Schrager, when she says that a busy child is a happy child. When they have too much free time on their hands, that's when 
they start to have negative thoughts, where they maybe start to get up to negative behaviors. If their day is jam-packed with positive interactions with their their peers, where they're in a committee together, they're in a sports team, they're in a dance crew, they are studying together, they're just they're doing chesed together, they're just making the most of their day, that's when they're able to make those connections which then have a positive impact on their social lives. Um, they're able to just really have the, the life that they wish for. That's 100% accurate and beautiful. And I, I many times will refer, when I speak to kids, I, I compare their bodies and brains to a seesaw. And I say that when your body is extra active, your brain is at ease and available and calm and happy. When you are physically not um, active in any way, then your brain is going ballistic. And we see Absolutely. that many times. And we'll find kids, and I'm wondering how that's showing in school, we'll find kids that by the end of the day, their brain is completely tired, but their body isn't. And they lay in bed and they can't fall asleep, so they're on the device, and, they, and it's just, just provoking anxiety, and they're kind of half awake, half asleep all day and all night. Are, we, are there things that we could recommend to parents to try break that cycle? Tire your kids out, I don't know, take them to the gym, trampoline, swimming, whatever. Absolutely. I can't agree more. I think that it's very important to be able to set those boundaries. Hard as it is, you might be physically wrestling the device out of your child's hand. But good exercise. It's yeah, good <laughs> exercise for everyone. Um to be able to take the device out of their room when it is night time, that they don't have that blue light exposure, that they're able to have a proper sleep where they're entering into a proper REM cycle, um nutrition exercise, endorphins, all of that is going to play a role and being behind a screen for hours and hours on end is of course going to have a detrimental impact. And maybe even lead by example and keep your phone out. Absolutely. Meal times, bedtime, but it's very hard. Yeah, we, we're consistently connected. Yeah. So that's extremely crucial. Are there anything that you would speak to parents sometimes about their children or kind of that parents will be surprised about, that they'll tell you, really, that's happening this day, these days? Or or you feel like parents are quite in tune today? I think in a lot of ways parents are in tune. I think because everyone's on the same social media um, platforms, that parents are using Facebook, children are using Instagram, um, by the way, children feel that Facebook is for old people. So now more Completely. and more of their parents are going on to Instagram. They're, if they're on Insta, then they're cool. Um, but I think because of that, they are having exposure to the same sort of things, the same worldwide trends, what's in the news, what's happening for children. I think they are aware. But when it's something negative, I think it's human nature that you'll feel, oh, my goodness, it's definitely not my child. It's everyone else, not mine. And they're always shocked. We're really running out of time, uh, but I have to ask you about this. Okay, we will take an ad break, and when we come back, I'll ask you the, this question. I think we're going to have to start wrapping up. Perfect. Uh, 101.9, Hi FM, a short ad break, and we'll be right back. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9, we are back, and we're really running out of time in the show. So uh, some questions that come in on the SMS line, however, it's questions that we did cover in the show. So I really rec highly recommend that you go online and listen to the podcast of the show as we do have to move forward. And, and But I really appreciate the questions, so thank you so much for sending them. And just uh, it, it is definitely uh, covered in the podcast of today. Just go to the FM website and you'll find it there. 
last point. And not long ago, I, and I shared with you, I had a mom call me and say that when she was going through high school, she had huge anxiety, huge social issues. She felt very isolated and neglected, and she was actually in boarding school. And now that she is sending her son for the first time to high school, all that anxiety is coming back, and she's petrified she's going to put strain on him to live her social anxiety life. And she wants to keep a healthy balance of being there for him and not throw all her problems on him. However, the, the, the line, crossing the line is very difficult. It's very shallow. Is that something you come across, and what would you recommend to parents? That's definitely something that we come across, and I think it works on the opposite side as well, that it would be normal that whatever your positive or negative experiences were at school, you'd be kind of putting that pressure on your child either way. If you were the yeah. captain of the first rugby team, you might be vicariously living through your child, wanting them to play rugby when, in fact, they just want to dance and be on the stage. So it does work both ways. In terms of that, mom, my advice to her would be to go with courage, that every single day is a leap of faith, that the child is not her, that he's going to forge his own path, he's going to have his own experiences, he's going to make high school what he needs it to be, and being able to to really separate her experiences from his, to be able to support him as best as she can without putting her stuff onto him. Which is uh, fascinating. It's an area we didn't even get to speak to and the show had ran out, but to have trust and faith and respect to your child. And if you actually believe your child can do it, they will. They will. They'll come around. They'll make a plan. It will work, and they'll be amazing. Absolutely. So for those who feel that they shouldn't check their children's phones because they trust them and it's a leap of faith every day, I think it's also about being able to balance that, that there are things that you can control and there are things that you can't, and being able to to know the difference. Referring to one of the SMSs that came in. So very good. So here you got that comment. Um, yeah, and, and sometimes you have to do things but that, because that's the way we have safety in the world. And it doesn't necessarily mean because you don't trust your child. I never allow it's any because of you my don't ch- trust the world. <laughs> exactly, or it's just the thing. I, I mean, I never allow any of my children to tr- sit in the driver's seat with the car on if before they have a license, mm. it is, or before they got their learners. It is what it is. It's not because I don't trust them. It's not because uh, it's 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 wrong. It's illegal. We don't do that. And and sometimes there are things we just need to tell our children. That's the way. We do it, and that's the recommendations from educators, and that's Absolutely. what we do. Absolutely, and to have rules. And we, we trust have you. a rule oriented society, what should be, and boundaries are what make people safe. Okay. So, as you can see, Craig's the boss, and we are wrapping up. Um, your message to the kids going up to high school, starting. Kin- I'm going to schools. quote Brene Brown to go with courage, go where the love is. It's a new year, it's a new start. Um, if you're starting nursery school or primary school or intermediate phase or high school, it's all a new opportunity. A busy child is a happy child and be able just to be the best that you can be. Fulfill your potential. That would be my wish for you. Please, God. Amazing, beautiful blessing and wish everybody has a great academic school year. Good luck to you at the school where you are the social worker and really Thank everything you. David and everything should work out. And Mazel Tov and your Simcha, but that's a side thing. Thank you, Rabbi. Okay. <laughs> another great show comes to an end, and we will be back next Monday, 2 to 3, with another topic. Stay tuned and just learn, and together we can improve ourselves, our families, and the world.